when you achieve this certain outward or external level of success, you have to ask yourself, okay, but is this it? And those things aren't necessarily bad, but you know, they're probably not the only things that are gonna leave you fulfilled either, right? So what's been fun is moving from this position or this focus on significance to this focus on impact. Hello and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and today we're going to be covering 10 important lessons that I've learned from coaching youth sports. Now, obviously a little bit off the standard path or the path that we've been following here lately where I bring somebody on and we do the interview format. Today, I want to do a solo show because I think this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I think it's going to be reflective on where I'm at as a coach, as a father, as a human being, and I think there's a lot of lessons to be gleaned from the topics that we cover here today. So obviously I played a ton of sports growing up and I think back to my childhood. I mean, literally, if you can think of it, I probably played it at some level. Baseball, basketball, football, soccer, volleyball. I ran cross country. I started to play golf until I realized it was interfering with volleyball. I mean, like I played all of these sports growing up because I loved competing. I loved learning new athletic skills. Man, I was just enamored with sports as a whole. And obviously, I parlayed that into a career, and now I get to work with athletes. So across the spectrum, I think, between playing and participating in sports and coaching athletes in the weight room, I'd like to think I've learned a thing or two. But what's interesting, and people will always tell you this, when you have kids, a lot of times you learn even more and you start to see the world through their eyes. And I think it's been really interesting for me because for essentially like the last five years now, I've coached my own kids in sports. Coach Kendall, ever since she started playing soccer, but I've coached her in soccer and softball. Cade has played, well, let me think here. I mean, he's played soccer. He's played baseball. He's played basketball. They both played some tennis. I haven't coached them in that. But I think what's fun about this is I've just, I've learned a lot along the way. And while these lessons are great for our young people, I think they're lessons that trainers, coaches, rehab professionals, all of us in this industry can take and apply. And even just from a human perspective, there are things that maybe you know, and you're not adhering to or things you're not thinking about often enough. So I think there's a lot of overlap here, regardless of where you're at in life. So here are the 10 important lessons that I've learned. And I've got kind of a fun format here because what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with like a little story or anecdote. Sometimes it's going to be about me coaching young kids. Sometimes it's going to be about my background and the things that I learned about sports when I was coming up. We're going to talk about how it's influenced me as a coach because this is something I've been very reflective on lately, is why I am the type of coach that I am, why I seek out relationships, why I try and be positive. So these are things that I'm constantly thinking about. And then I want to finish each section with what I would describe as a tough question for you to answer, because I could sit here and ramble on and on and talk about, you know, my successes and my failures and yada, yada, yada. Maybe that would be helpful, but I think if I can package this in the right way, it's going to force you to ask yourself questions that will ultimately make you better, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your athletic pursuits, or maybe just in your relationships that you have going on in your life. So, you know, as we go through this, some are more easily applied than others, but if nothing else, I really hope this episode is going to stimulate some good thought. 
So if you're cool with it, we're gonna skip the mid-roll, we're gonna skip the commercials, we're just jumping right in. So the first thing that I have learned, and I know this is cliche, but it's important, number one is work hard. So this spring, I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team and I'm coaching Cade's baseball team. You know, coaching Kindle's soccer team is a big responsibility because we essentially have two practices each week. We have a game every weekend, so we have three interactions. Cades is about the same, but there's like four coaches. I'm not the head coach. There's actually four coaches for baseball. I'm the only coach for soccer. So kind of setting the stage here, Saturday was our first game, and I could have told you right then and there, based on what I'd seen in practice, I didn't care who we played against, we probably weren't going to win. And I don't say that in a negative way. I just say that because... We have a lot of girls that have not played organized soccer before. They haven't done it at a high level. We have some athletes, but we're very raw. So literally one of the first things that we talked about at our game, at practice, was our ability to control our effort. And I think that's something we can always fall back on, right? We'll talk about it later on, but we can't always control the outcome, but we can always control our work. Are we going to work hard? Are we going to put in the effort? And I think this is something that, you know, I try and set this expectation up front with anybody I work with. You know, luckily with the people I work with in the gym now, (laughs) between the level of athlete that I'm working with, as well as the price point that I charge, if you're not serious, you're probably not looking to work with me. You know, if you're not serious about working hard, you don't want to come and work with Mike Robertson. So I do my best to make this an expectation when I'm coaching these young kids. I just let them know, hey man, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna enjoy ourselves. This is gonna be a great experience. I'm gonna do everything I can to make this fun and make it a positive experience, but we're gonna work hard because I'm a big believer when we work hard and we get better, things are ultimately more fun, all right? So tough question time. When we talk about working hard, and again, think about all the areas in your life where this might apply, but are you really working hard? And this is a tough one. Sometimes, especially in our career, where We can basically dance around the big items, the big subjects, right? And we can avoid them by being busy. So this is something I want to ask yourself. Are you really working hard or are you just staying busy? Are you avoiding the big ticket items that can really help drive your business or your career? All right, so that's number one, work hard. Number two, have fun. And this is something that I tell every young kid that I work with, even my pros to some extent, because when they're with me in the off season, they want to get better. But man, they just came off a seven, eight, nine month season. A lot of times they kind of want to just reboot mentally and I want it to be fun for them. So as I was preparing for the show, I started to think back and really I started to reflect back on my own youth and when I was playing sports. And first off, it reminded me, damn, that was a long time ago. But it also made me think like, when did I have the most fun? And there were a couple key ingredients here, and I just kind of alluded to them. Number one, when I was having success. So like JV year in basketball, we weren't great, but we were winning enough and we were having fun. My senior year of volleyball, we were ranked as high as like second in the state. You know, we were successful. Number two, we are getting better. So like, I'm a big believer when you work hard, you know, you're going to get better. And I think the development process is something that's so critical. We'll talk about that more later on in the show but you gotta work on getting better each and every session. And then the third piece, and I think the thing that really brought it all together is I was having fun, right? When you have a great coach, when you've got good teammates, when you've got good chemistry, everything is more fun. So when I'm working with these young kids, I would say, honestly, the only two things I care about as a coach is that they get better, right? And everybody has a sliding scale here, right? Some are more talented than others. Some are gonna get 
better at a faster rate, but I want them to get better over their time with me. And number two, I want them to have fun. Like that's it. I don't have other expectations. So if I can do those two things over the course of a season, that's a win. And I think it's important to be reflective and to realize that as a coach or a trainer or a rehab professional, you have such a huge impact on the lives of the people you work with. And sometimes you don't even know it, right? Sometimes it's that really shy, quiet person that you see, you know, two to three times a week and, you know, their session kind of flies by or you don't really know they're there. They don't have a ton going on or a ton to say, but sometimes those are the people that you're impacting the most. So you have to consciously be aware of this and kind of constantly just remember like, hey, it's easy to get caught up in the grind or the hours. You know, it's not an easy industry, the fitness industry to always just kind of relax in. But at the same time, you have to respect the fact that you can make a massive impact on the people that you're working with. So something that I'm always thinking about is, am I putting this person in a fun and engaging environment to help them get better? I think that's really critical. There's lots of ways you can make things fun. It could be how you prescribe exercises. It could be in the music that you play. It could be the environment that you foster with the people that are in there. It could be your personality being playful and being fun. But I think if you can make the environment fun and engaging, that sets you up for success. And then the final thing that I'm always thinking about, and this is little kids to adults, anybody that I work with, I want to be an incredibly positive influence on the people that I work with. And again, thinking back to my own upbringing, like I love basketball. Loved it. I always joke around. It was my first love. Like I love the game of basketball. I love watching film. I love working on my game. I love going out and competing. But the coach that I had for the bulk of my high school career was incredibly negative and he drove that love and that joy from me. So there was a time where I didn't love basketball anymore and that sucked and I hate thinking about that time. So now I just realize, hey man, I want any sport, like regardless of how passionate I am about a certain sport, I want the kids that I work with to grow to love that sport. I wanna be that positive influence for them. So something I want you to ask yourself, whether it's little kids that you may coach or people that you're working with in the gym or in a rehab environment, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. And I want you to ask yourself, would you want to be coached by someone like you? It's a tough question, right? Like that's not an easy question. And if you're being honest and reflective, I think you could probably say, hey, maybe there's one or two people, my interactions with them aren't where I want them or need them to be. So when you ask yourself something tough like this, be honest and be reflective and just realize, hey man, you can positively impact every person you come in contact with. And if you're doing this right, I think that should be the goal. Awesome. Okay, let's move on. Number three, reps, reps, reps. When I was coming up, loved basketball, obviously. Loved going to basketball camps. It was one of my favorite summer activities. My dad would drive me off to somewhere in Bumble F, Indiana, and post me up for three, four days. And I remember a couple times I did these shooting camps, and it's really intensive. So you go in there for two or three days, and you work with a coach, and, you know, they hone your skills, whatever. And I remember one of the things that both of the camps that I went to in successive years put in was, hey, you need to get a thousand or more shots in every day. Now, if you're a basketball player, you realize like a thousand shots, like that's a lot. That's a lot of shots over the course of a day. And I remember the second one that I went to was even like more labor intensive. And I remember I was like dragging myself out of the gym. So here we are at a shooting camp with all these other kids that are super excited. And I remember I was one of, if not the last kids on the court, they're like shutting the lights off. 
So I don't think there's any way to replace reps. People have to get reps to get that experience, to get feel, to get touch, okay? So a key goal of my practices with my kiddos and the athletes I work with in the gym is getting reps in. And keep in mind, it's not just getting reps in, but it's getting reps in so that you can therefore have successes make mistakes, and get feedback. And I think that's the cycle we need to go through. That's why people coach us, right? Like if we're being honest, yes, they need the program, but when it comes to the coaching side, they need to get reps in, they need to have failures or mistakes or miscues, and then we provide feedback. So we help them hone those skills, right? This is our job. Like that's what's fun about this. So something that's unfortunate, and my good friend and business partner, Bill Hartman, has talked about this a lot here lately, is... This concept of people that are putting information over experience. And I think when you're young, this is a natural thing to do. There's no way you can speed up experience. Like you can't be at two years and snap your fingers and be at 10 years. It doesn't work like that. So as a young coach, and I know I did this as well, we put such a huge emphasis on accumulating information. And that's great. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But you can't trade more information or more knowledge over experience. It's something you have to accumulate and accrue over time. So here's the bottom line on this, my friend. If you want to get better, you have to put in the time and effort. And I wrote out a little equation here, and I think it makes a lot of sense, but reps plus quality equals success. So yeah, you need the reps, but it's got to be quality reps, quality effort. You know, when I see somebody and they're just kind of going through the motions in any sporting activity, they're not going to get better, right? They're laying a bad motor program. So yes, reps, 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 but always with a focus and intent on improving quality. So to kind of recap this, like let's come back to hard work and you got to put in the time to get better. Are you putting in the time or are you just hoping that learning more stuff will cure what ails you? So keep in mind, there is no fast tracking this, right? There's no hack to get more years or more experience other than getting in the gym, doing the work. That's how you get better, all right? Number four, mistakes will happen. Mistakes will happen. Now, I wanna tell you about, I think this was like my junior and senior year of high school. So again, coming back to basketball practices, like I loved basketball, even my first two years. My sophomore year was by far my favorite because we had a different coach. We were successful. I was playing really well. I felt like my game was developing. But then my junior year, I'm back to the coach that I had my freshman year. And one of the things that he instilled when he became the head coach was this concept of scoring basketball practices. So there would be these times where we would scrimmage or we would be working in the half court sets. And if you got a bucket, that'd be two points. If you got an assist, you'd get a point. If you committed a foul, you'd lose a point. If you committed a turnover, you'd lose a point. And so basically what would happen was at the end of every training session, the next day he would post like the results. So it was like this scoring, gamifying of practice. And in some instances, it was really cool because you constantly got feedback of, well, did I have a good practice or a bad practice? And now you can objectify it to some degree. But the downside was there was a lot of guys that, you know, it wasn't about the game. It wasn't about getting better. It was about beating the system. And that's what I didn't enjoy about it. Because now you got guys that are just trying to feed the post, right? Or pass it to the big man time and time and time again to rack up these points. So at least for me, this was literally like the worst thing as a basketball player, because as a perfectionist, I dwelled on the mistakes. 
I dwelled on those mistakes and I couldn't end up using them as learning tools. So one of the first things that I told our girls last week, we had our first game. And again, going in, I'm not thinking we're going to win. But one of the first things I told them was, look, hey, we are going to make mistakes today. It's okay. Like every one of you is going to make a mistake. And then I joke around and I say, well, everyone here makes mistakes except me. And then they look at me and they laugh because they're fourth graders, you know. The dad jokes still fly for now. But I always tell them like, look, you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. And something else I try and reaffirm to them is that, look, you'll never learn as well from your wins as you do your losses. So case in point, we're playing our game and our defenders are kind of ticky tacking with the ball in front of the goal. One girl misplays it and it goes in our goal, right? So we give up a goal that we basically scored on ourselves. And she kind of laughed about it. And at the end of the game, we just said, hey, look, you know, that happens. Like that's part of the game. That's a mistake. But now our goal is to learn from that, right? We want to evolve, whether we're athletes, coaches, human beings, The goal is to hopefully you don't want to make all of the mistakes, right? But if you do make a mistake, you want to learn from it, right? And I think this is something that people get mixed up into. They think, oh, I'm just going to make a million mistakes. Okay, that's fine. But are you learning from them? Like that's what's really important. And I think that's something that we miss the boat on. People talk about making mistakes and failure, wearing is a badge of honor. Like that's fine. But the goal, goal is ultimately to learn from them and to have more success as a result of that. So, you know, I told the girl, hey, look, so now we know we don't ticky tack with the ball in front of the goal. If we get at our feet, we boot it as far as we can away. And so hopefully when we play our next game, she learns from that and she doesn't make that same mistake again. So my question for you is when you're working with a client, an athlete, are you fostering an environment where your clients and athletes can fail safely? And I would underline and italicize that word safely. We never want somebody to get injured on our watch, but at the same time, we have to let them know, hey, look. Not every squat is perfect. Not every hip turn looks exactly the way that you want. But we want to put them in an environment where they can make mistakes, where they can learn so that ultimately when they get on the field or the court or the pitch, that they're able to, number one, execute the things that we worked on. And number two, if they do make a mistake, they don't go in the tank because of it. They realize a mistake, hey, that happens. Now, how do I move on? How do I react from that? How do I move forward? And I think that's some of the true value in making mistakes. Moving on. Number five, growth equals discomfort. One of the hardest things for all of us to deal with is discomfort, right? We don't necessarily like being pushed out of our comfort zone. We don't like being pushed off our mark. And so when we're teaching sports skills, this can be very evident. So a lot of kids grow up and they love to kick a soccer ball with the laces, right? It's how you can kick it the hardest, It's the easiest way to kick it, right? Immediately, you can probably have more power on it. But the most accurate way to pass a soccer ball is using your instep. So when I start off a practice and we have kids working to kick with their instep, it's uncomfortable for them. They don't like it because it's unfamiliar. They're not good at it. When it comes to basketball, a lot of kids... (laughs) And don't get me started on this, but a lot of kids are playing with a ball that's too big on a goal that's too high, right? So everything that they do is this two hand like push shot. So when you start breaking down their mechanics and you try and teach them to shoot properly, that's uncomfortable. It's unnatural. So, you know, like this whole discomfort thing isn't bad, but you have to be willing to go there. And something I think about, it's not exactly in the sporting sense, but man, when I was growing up between eighth and ninth grade, I shot up. You know, that was like my big growth spurt, like my knees hurt, right? I was uncomfortable because I was growing. So there's a lot of ways that you can think about this. But the bottom line is, if you're not uncomfortable in some way, shape or form, you're not growing. And the thing that I love about this one is obviously we can use sports analogies and sports references, 
But this is applicable in virtually every area of life. We can talk about sports. We can talk about in the gym or the weight room. We can talk about business. We can talk about even relationships, right? If you're comfy cozy all the time, you're probably not growing. So big question time. Are you still challenging yourself and getting uncomfortable? Or are you a little too comfy cozy in life? And this is something I've had to ask myself and be really hard on myself with here in the last year or two. You know, I think COVID gave a lot of us an easy out to kind of slow play what we are doing or a nice excuse for why we're not doing certain things or why we're not growing in certain areas. But man, we're on the tail end of that, my friend. So what areas are you too comfy living in and how can you challenge yourself? How can you get out of that comfort zone to see some real growth in your life? Number six. Get better every day. So ever since I have been coaching, and I can say this because literally we're talking all the way back to 2000 when I had no clue what I was doing. One of my goals in the back of my mind has always been to make my clients or athletes feel like they're getting a win when they're in the gym. Like that's huge to me, right? Because you don't PR every day. You don't hit a new back squat PR every single time you come in the gym. So if that's not gonna happen, how can you give your clients or your athletes this feeling that they are winning every day, that they're getting better every day? And like one of the ways Eric Huddleston, who works at IFAST, does this, is he kind of always has this mindset of when they come in the gym, he's very big on teaching movement skills, as we all are. But his goal when it comes to movement skills is to have a letter grade improvement with each training session. So if a client comes in and they're doing an RDL and their RDL is a C at the start of the session, by the end, if we're coaching well and they're receptive to our coaching and we're doing the right things, they should go from a C to a B. That would be a successful session. Now, as we're going through this, I think something that's really important to think about when we're talking about improvement or success for that matter is that success and improvement aren't a linear process, but it is a process nonetheless. So this is where, you know, sometimes people get caught up, whether it's strength, whether it's fat loss, whether it's weight or muscle gain, they think it's like this linear process. So, you know, I just go up and up and up and up, and that may be the trend, but that's not necessarily how it works. So when I was in the rehab environment, one of the analogies I used to use was that, hey, look, my goal for you with regards to being pain-free is to see kind of this steady up and up, but also with the understanding that every time I see you, it may be like the stock market, right? Like the stock market over time should trend upwards, but you're gonna have highs and lows and spikes and valleys. Like that's part of the process. But the goal is to have that long-term trend towards success, towards getting better. So Something else that I try and think about is giving my clients and my athletes something that we can hang our hat on every single day, something that is a win for us. So if they come in and they're feeling beat up, I want them to walk out feeling better than when they walked in. If we're working on a movement skill, maybe it's a hip turn or a shuffle, I want them to feel like I improved that movement skill that day. Because too often, again, we want those big wins. We want home runs if we're using a baseball analogy, and it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it's those small wins built up over time that lead to big success. And that's why if you haven't read it before, please buy The Slight Edge Principle. I believe the guy's name is Jeff Olson. It's one of the most impactful books I've ever read. The whole premise here is that it's not about those big wins or as people would describe it in business, like an overnight success, right? Like there's no such thing. There's no such thing as an overnight success. It's small wins. It's small successes over time that accumulate and accrue that really lead to long-term success. So my question for you now, and there's a handful for this one, but number one, what are you doing on a regular basis to become a better coach, 
trainer, or rehab professional? What's something you can do every day to help check that box of getting better? If you're a business owner, what are you doing to be a better business owner? You know, like think about all the hats that you wear. Or here's a really big one. What are you doing to just be a better human being? Lots of stuff to think about there, but I would implore you, make it a goal. Not every day is a huge win, but find ways every single day to achieve small wins and to get better every single day. Number seven, preparation is key. Hearkening back to my first experience coaching youth soccer. So I believe Kendall was in first grade. And let's be real here. There's no on-the-job training for this. Like, you don't just have some sort of game plan or whatever. Like, I was working in the most rec league, and you show up and you have the informal meeting and, you know, this is the way you have to interact with the kids and here's your t-shirt and off you go. So I just thought, hey, I'm a coach. Like, I'll just figure this out, right? Like I can command a room. (laughs) And at the time, I mean, I'm working with the Indy 11, right? I'm working with a professional soccer team and I work with them on the pitch. Like I got this. And so I walk in with absolutely zero game plan and winging it. (laughs) Let me be really honest with you. It did not go well. It was probably a train wreck. Now, I'm probably catastrophizing it to some degree, especially now because I prepare myself at a much higher level. But man, I was not prepared to go in that first day. I didn't know what to do when kids didn't have certain skills. I didn't know what to do when they didn't understand a drill or a concept. So I got by on people skills and I made it as fun as I could, but it was not a resounding success. So when we talk about preparation, something I want you to always consider and always think about is that if it's something worth doing, it makes sense to take it seriously and prepare yourself to do it at a high level, okay? If you're gonna do it, do it at a high level. Don't half-ass it. Now, when people hear me say that, especially when they think about youth sports, I wanna clarify something. There's a big difference between taking your craft seriously and taking yourself seriously. So when I run these practices, Even for my young kids, like I want it to be enjoyable for them. If I'm not prepared, if I don't have something lined out for them, or if I haven't thought about anything, I just show up and try and pull it out of my butt, like that's not going to work. So I'm going to take the craft of it seriously. I'm going to prepare. But what that allows me to do is when I get to practice, hey man, we can have a lot of fun. We can play. We can joke. It's going to be enjoyable because I've taken the time to prepare. It's one of those things where if you've heard about people that like plan their day a lot or they do a lot of preparation or they have a lot of structure and people are like, oh, God, that must be miserable. And they just kind of wing their whole day. But those are the people that are the most miserable, right? Because they have no structure in what they do. When you flip that and you look at the people that do have a lot of structure, yeah, there's times where they have structure and they have boundaries, but that allows them in their free time to really be spontaneous, They can really do whatever they want, all right? So there's a big difference between taking your craft seriously and taking yourself seriously. Always take what you do, and I don't want to say be serious about it, but take pride in it. Enjoy what you do. Take pride in it. Work to get better. But don't take yourself seriously because that's not fun. And that kind of comes back to point number two. We want to have fun. We want to have fun. And I'm a big believer that you have more fun when you're working hard, preparing well, and getting better. So my question for you is this. If something is important enough for you to do it, are you preparing in such a way to make you as successful as possible? And this is universally applicable, right? I don't care what we're talking about, whether we're talking about your job, whether we're talking about coaching a youth sports team, doesn't matter. If it's worth you investing your time in it, it's probably worth preparing to do it at a high level. Take pride in your work. Number eight, outcomes aren't indicative of performance. I'm gonna use some sports analogies here. If you've ever watched soccer, 
And sometimes it's harder to watch on TV and get a feel for the game. I love watching soccer live. But we've all seen that soccer game where your favorite team has the ball on their opponent's half the whole game. They're getting chance after chance after chance on goal. They just can't get it to go in the net. And either they tie or worse yet, they lose. The other team counters, gets one lucky strike, and your favorite team loses. Like, that sucks. Or we've seen basketball games, right, where your team is playing lockdown defense. They're playing so hard, great effort, but they can't hit a shot, can't get the ball to go in the basket, and they lose. So the fact of the matter is, sometimes you crush it performance-wise, but you don't get the result you want. And this is where sometimes we're too focused on the outcome and not focused enough on the process. So I think part of personal growth is knowing that you put everything into something. You poured your heart and soul into a project and on that day just wasn't enough. Like it sucks, let's be real, like it's not fun, but you can also hang your hat on, hey man, I did everything that I possibly could, didn't go my way today, you go home, you're gonna rest easy that night, no problems falling asleep. Now, the contrast of this is true too and I've seen this at certain times where sometimes you're just flat out better than the other team. If we're talking a team sports environment, like your team is better on paper, athletically, skill-wise. They should dominate this team. But instead, they came out complacent. They came out lazy. They played to the level of their opponent. And you're not happy with that result either, okay? So something I always try and instill in my young kids, and I don't use these words because they don't understand it or they may not be able to internalize it at this age, but I always try and explain to them, like focus on the preparation and the development versus just the outcomes. Like that's really important. We're gonna talk more about development here in just a minute. But something I want you to ask yourself is when it comes to work, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to anything that's important to you, what do you value and focus on? Are you just focused on outcomes or are you emphasizing the process and the development? I think that's the secret sauce. The longer you do something, the more you have to fall in love with the process and the development because that's what keeps you going. That's what pushes you through the mistakes. It forces you to get more reps. You got to fall in love with the process. So number nine, it's going to sound similar, but I promise it's not 100% the same. Number nine, development over outcomes. Now, I could do an entire topic on why U sports is such a mess. I mean, I could do an entire hour or two, like if we just sat here and enjoyed a tasty Americano or enjoyed an adult beverage or two or three, I could wax philosophical as to all the things that are wrong with U sports because I see it in my gym. I see it where I coach. I see it in everyday life. You know, just being out and about, being observant. And let's be honest here. Youth sports as a whole, there is way too much emphasis on winning versus development. I was coaching Kendall in second grade, and there were already teams that were training exclusively together. For two years, they kept their entire team together because they were winning, because they had the biggest girls, because winning was so important to them. They were spending all of their time, all of their energy on just blasting the ball as hard as they could, about putting the biggest girls in the front so they could score the most goals right? Like that's, I'm sorry, that's dumb. That is dumb. That is a disservice to the kids that we work with. So the the one way I kind of reconcile this and the way I, I process this myself is I always ask myself, okay, if these people are doing this, these parents, these coaches, you know, what happens when they have to start playing for another team? What happens when the league breaks up your team or half the girls go to another club, right? What happens when they have to switch positions? I mean, we're talking 
fourth grade girls is what I'm coaching now. What happens when the girl that's played defense her entire life has to move to a different position? Or there's somebody better at defense and now they want her to play somewhere else. She hasn't had the skills. She hasn't accumulated the reps, right? Or worse, you start playing against better opponents and you don't win. Like what kind of message are we sending when it's all about winning with our young kids? So I'm always, always, always driving home this thought process of development. Development is the name of the game, man. I'm sorry, they're not handing out scholarships to 10-year-olds. Well, at least I don't think they are. I mean, it's probably getting close now. I think I hear about basketball players, 13, 14, football players, 13, 14, but you 10, you're not getting a scholarly. So why focus on that? Now, in the same breath, don't get me wrong. It's always more fun when you win. I like winning. I'm not going to lie. Like if we can develop our kids and win, I would rather have that 100 days out of 100. But my biggest focus is on developing my kids and giving them tools necessary to be successful. So there's a couple boxes that I'm trying to check that helps me determine, am I developing these kids? Number one, regardless of sport, are you teaching them individual skills? Baseball, are you teaching them to hit? Are you teaching them to throw? Are you teaching them to field? Like the basic fundamental skills, basketball, dribbling, passing, shooting, soccer, in-step, outside of the foot, driving a ball with their laces, being able to trap a ball. Every sport has individual skills that you have to teach. They don't get it in PE anymore either. I hate to tell you, I learned a lot of this stuff in PE class. That's not what they do in PE anymore. So if you are coaching young athletes, you have to teach them individual skills. Number two, you need to teach them different positions. Now, maybe in basketball, not as big of a deal right now, but in soccer, you know, there's goalie, there's defenders, there's midfielders, there's strikers. In baseball, obviously, catcher, pitcher, shortstop. You have to learn the different positions because you don't want to be pigeonholed. And I've seen it even at the professional level. I've seen a guy that's played central midfield his entire career. And for whatever reason, coach needs him to play right back or they need him to play center back. The guy that can do that is immensely more valuable than the guy that can only play one position. Because what happens when they get somebody better or you lose a step? So these are things you got to be thinking about. And then number three, one of the most important things for me, and maybe the most important thing, is teaching the children that I work with how to understand the principles of the game. Winning is great, but do you understand how to really play the game? And here's the thing. Soccer is a great example, and it's on my brain right now because obviously I'm coaching it. But, you know, when it comes to playing soccer the right way, when you get older, you can't just be the biggest kid and bomb shots from midfield and have them go in and win like that. As you get older, right, you got to be able to pass. You got to be able to dribble. You have to be able to create space. You have to be able to understand passing lanes. Like there's so many elements to being successful in soccer, but you have to understand the principles of the game. Same thing works for basketball, for football. Okay. So something I want you to ask yourself is regardless of who you're working with, what are you emphasizing? What is most important to you? Are you just focused on the outcomes? Like let's use, I'm going to go off script here a little bit. Think about the client that wants to lose 20 pounds, right? And one client does it by drinking water and eating ramen noodles and basically starving themselves. And another client does it via sensible, manageable nutritional program. They work out three times a week. They start getting seven and a half to nine hours of sleep every night. Like which one of those clients do you want to be working with? Because you can emphasize the outcome of, hey, they both lost 20 pounds. Or do you want to emphasize the development and the growth? So I ask you, what are you emphasizing? Are you just focused on outcomes? Or do you teach them to enjoy the journey, to enjoy the process and the development of getting better? And again, I'm going to say it again. If you don't learn to love the process, 
in the journey, it's going to be hard to stick with things. I don't care what it is. It could be your career, it could be your relationship, it could be adding muscle, losing body fat, building strength. If you don't learn to love the process, it's going to be hard to stick with it for the long term. Last but not least, it's all about impact. So when I first started coaching, remember, you know, that first season I coached Kendall, I felt like I wanted to do it for a lot of reasons. I wanted to spend time with my daughter. I thought I could be okay at it. But I'll be honest, I think there was a part of me that just felt like it was something I had to do. Like, I'm a coach, right? Like, I've got to be better at this than the guy that sits at a desk all day and is an accountant or a lawyer or the guy that works for the big marketing firm. Like, just by virtue of who I am and what I do, I have to do it. And there was also this element of ego. So again, just thinking back, like, man, I'm working with NBA players, NFL players. I had a crop of high-level soccer players. I mean, we're not just talking the Indy 11. We're talking, you know, probably a half dozen or more MLS caliber players that were in our gym in the offseason as well. So it just made sense. Like, yeah, I mean, I should do this, right? But here's the funny thing. The longer I do this, the more I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. So Andy McCloy had me on his business group call today. And, you know, we were just rapping about life and training and coaching. And one of the things Andy always does, Andy brings out the best in me for a lot of reasons. But part of it is we're on a very similar life path and life journey, I feel like. And one of the things that he talked about was moving from this place of significance to a place of impact. And for me, and I think most of us when we're coming up, there's this level of significance we want to achieve. And I have a lot of insecurities from when I was growing up, you know, the way I looked, the way that my body was shaped because I was a late bloomer, just money stuff. Like there was a lot of insecurities that I had growing up. So, you know, I tried to cover all that up with, hey, I'm going to make X amount of dollars and I'm going to be the best trainer on the planet. I mean, you know, not like there's some sort of award for that, but that was my goal. I'm going to speak across the world. I'm going to do all these things that would make me look significant. So when we're defining it, it's like significance is having the social media following, making the money, working with the pros. I did all of these things and then realized, yeah, okay, this is kind of cool, but is this it? Like, that's a really big question. Like when you achieve this certain outward or external level of success, you have to ask yourself, okay, but is this it? And those things aren't necessarily bad, but you know, they're probably not the only things that are gonna leave you fulfilled either, right? So what's been fun is moving from this position or this focus on significance to this focus on impact. Now this is why I think as much as I've loved coaching my entire life, man, I could literally coach anyone, doesn't matter. It could be an NBA player, an MLS player, or a young kid, and I can have it be equally meaningful. And I wanna share two stories with you that I think will kind of drive this point home. Number one, working with Cade's baseball team. There was this kid, and man, after like two or three practices, I literally felt sorry for him. It made me want to cry watching this boy throw. And I mean that in the most respectful way, but it was sad because I mean, the kid literally could not throw a baseball. And so as a kid, we can be hyper aware of things we're not good at, right? We can look around and we can see, oh, wow, Tommy can really throw it hard. I can barely throw the ball. So over the course of two or three sessions, I figured out, not just me, but, you know, I kind of kept watching this kid throw and I'm like, okay, I keep giving him cues, failure, failure, failure. Oh, that was better. That was a little better. Okay, finally, we found the cue. And was it perfect? No. But this kid started slinging the ball. And it was cool because each time he threw it a little bit harder, a little bit more accurately, and you could see the smile growing on this kid's face. 
right? So that's example number one. Like that was cool. Second, there's a girl on my soccer team and it's odd because I coach third and fourth grade girls and I tried to make this joke the first practice of, okay, so like how many of you have never played soccer before expecting no hands to come up and half my team raises their hands. I'm like, okay, so we got some work to do here, especially because the other half I'd already coached. So there's one girl in particular that stood out. I'm like, man, this chick, she's a dog in the best way. Like she's going to work She's all over the pitch. She's running. She's challenging people. And she has to miss a game coming up. And so her mom emailed me and I wrote her back and I just said, hey, look, man, I think this girl, I think she's got some skills, man. Like she's an athlete. And the mom wrote me back this really thoughtful response and was just like, oh, my gosh, like this is her first time really playing soccer. She is loving it. She's enjoying the game so much. And so like things like that are so meaningful to me. And, you know, I don't necessarily remember the people that coached me in second, third or fourth grade, but I know my baseball coach and my basketball coach must have been pretty good because I kept playing and I grew to love those games as I got older. So for me, it's all about having this positive impact. So I want you to ask yourself, what kind of impact are you having on others? And I really hope you're playing a big time, awesome role. I hope you are. And if not, that's okay, right? That's okay for now. But you have to ask yourself, how can I change that? What can you do to impact others as much as possible? And maybe this is something, look, if you're 24 and you're listening to this, maybe that doesn't resonate with you right now. Maybe it is about getting more followers on the gram or getting, you know, whatever 50K per year. Like, I don't know what's meaningful to you, but I think the longer you do this, the more you're going to trend from this life of significance to this life of impact. And I think part of that is just aging, the maturation process, recognizing what's important to you, what's valuable to you, But I think if you're constantly asking yourself, what can you do to impact others in a positive way as much as possible, you're probably on the right path. All right, my friends. So this has been a long one, right? Like 49 minutes, me just rambling. I hope you enjoyed it. In recap, 10 things, 10 lessons that I have learned coaching you sports. Work hard, right? Put in the effort. Every single day, you can control your effort. Number two, have fun. Life's too short not to have fun. Man, I don't care what you're doing. Make it enjoyable. Number three, reps, reps, reps. You have to get the reps in. High quality, but you got to get the reps. You can't trade information or anything else for experience. You have to put in the work. Number four, mistakes will happen. Failures will happen. You don't necessarily have to seek them out. They'll happen on their own, but make it a goal when you make a mistake or you have a failure to learn from it, grow from it. Number five, growth equals discomfort. If you're comfy cozy all the time, you're not growing, you're not getting better. And we all have those times. That's where you or somebody near and dear to you has to push you off your mark and help you get out of that comfort zone. Number six, get better every day. Find a way every single day to keep pushing things forward. It's not about the big wins. It's not just about home runs. It's sexy. It looks cool, but there's no such thing as an overnight success. The most successful people, the people that have been in this for the long haul at high levels of success have done little things every day. They've accumulated those small wins. Number seven, preparation is key. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing at a high level. Take pride in your work. Learn to enjoy and love what you do. Number eight, outcomes aren't indicative of performance. And the bottom line is you could play great. You could do all the right things and the other team's better. It's okay, it happens. But can you hang your hat on the fact that you gave whatever it is, your best effort, that you put your heart and soul into something. And if you come up a little short, nothing wrong with that. Number nine, development over outcomes. Not just about the outcome. Again, common theme here, right? 
It's about growing. It's about evolving. It's about getting better over time. Sometimes, you know, the outcome doesn't work out the way that you want. That's okay. Are you getting better? Are you enjoying? Are you loving the process? And then last but not least, number 10, it's all about impact. For me, yeah, man. I mean, social media is cool. I would love to have 100,000 followers. If I could just snap my fingers and have them, that'd be great. If I could snap my fingers and make a million dollars next year, that'd be amazing. I'm not going to turn that away. But I also know I'm at a point now where it's not so much about significance, it's about impact. And the people around me, whether it's the people that I coach, whether it's the people like you that listen to this podcast, it's about making a positive impact, about making the world that I live in a better place. So my friend, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. This was a lot of fun. Again, kind of off the beaten path, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of lessons in here that you can apply to various areas of your life. So as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.